gotta be honest with you. I, I'm kind of retarded. Are you delusional? Do, are, do you suffer from a mental illness? You're not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. And once again, asking for your financial support. You're incapable of running this shit. Sit your $5 ass down before I make change. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things. You put the fucking cameras in this place. Oh, who the fuck are you? I'm a guy who does his job. You must be the other guy. I see back your fucking drum set! You turned his dart a bag of hammers. You climb up, you look like old people fuck! You know that private pile? Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. It's been weird, though, because, you know, like y'all say, the, the project evolves over time. Yep. When you've got a... A counterpart or <clears throat> partner. It's important to make sure that everybody's on the same page. Um, can I snag one of these? Yeah, absolutely. Help yourself, dude. That's what they're there for. Yeah, dude. I, I actually really like the way Liquid Death does their uh, their marketing. It's so good, dude. And I love the just the like... creative design. Yeah, and like I, don't know, I love everything about it, dude. I love how how they market all their stuff and it's so edgy and like. Market it just like alcohol, basically. Check, check. Do I need to get close to this thing? Yeah, pull that up. Yeah, I thought it was funny. When I first had Liquid Death, I was actually uh, I was at a concert. And, you know, I feel like whenever you're in, like, a social setting like that, everybody wants to, you know, see how many fucking beers we can drink or whatever. Yeah, right. And Liquid Death, uh, my buddy handed it to me. I thought it was a tall boy. Mm -hmm. I took a sip of it, and I was like, damn, this is actually exactly what I wanted. Yeah, you know? some water. Exactly. <laughs> I wanted some water. And, uh. <clears throat> no, I love the fact that they're like tall boys, and you know, a lot of people that have uh, what I've been hearing a lot lately is a lot of people have stopped drinking, have switched. It's helped them stop drinking. Yeah. It's the same like look and feel, and you know, and they have the sparkling kind. It's like bubbly, so it's kind of kind of like a seltzer, you know. Absolutely, I feel like a lot of people are starting to turn <clears throat> away from alcohol. It's kind of just like this day to day thing, you know, for so long. It was part of the culture, right? And, you know. No, you're totally right. We generalize an entire generation, but whenever I was growing up, born in 96, you know, you're 14, 15, 16, and, like, you just want to go out and drink beers because that's, like, what you think is the thing you're doing. Yeah, about, right? right? You know, sneaking shit from, like, your dad's fridge or whatever. And over time, I feel like one way or another, you kind of have to just find who you really are. You know? Right, right. Um uh, not to knock it or anything, I'm not like holier than thou. I drink beers and shit, but um, it's just kind of interesting how, you know, a lot of people when they're turning like 25 or 26, they're just like, I don't give a fuck about that anymore. Mm -hmm. I got it all out of my system. Excuse me, I'm trying to get the. And they the smoke Twitch weed going. every day. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, these are super interesting to me. So that's uh, number one. I. Uh, Let's see, I guess I was probably about 19 or 20 at this point. And my uh, academic advisor, I went to OU on a scholarship to study economics. And my advisor was like, I think you should get out of Oklahoma, Texas area. You know, I spent my entire life in Fort Worth. Grew up right around like the Berry Street, TCU yeah. area, Tanglewood, same house. <clears throat> um, you know, pretty small school. And when I got to college, my advisor was like, I think you should try to stay abroad and I'm like that sounds expensive as fuck yeah no kidding and you know not an option to say the least right and so I started kind of getting plugged in with different academic groups trying to find a way to just make it 
possible. And uh, part of that was <clears throat> this leadership scholars group in the College of Arts and Science, spam risk, <laughs> shit. Um, and uh, yeah, basically just grind. Like I was studying at least 40 hours a week, dude. Like I, I wasn't the sharpest tech to say the least, man. I was didn't like crush my SATs or anything like that. But yeah. I just busted my fucking ass, dude. And uh, made straight A's, got, you know, part of Habitat for Humanity. And that's when I kind of started taking my life a little bit more seriously, you know. The, the beginning of that uh, progression from, you know, all I want to do is drink beers and shit to like, okay, well, what do I really want to do? Right, right. And, uh, you know, now I'm going off on a tangent, but that really led to kind of like this existential try, eh, existential crisis of, what do I want to do with my life? Where am I trying to go? And that all kind of happened at the same time. And so you see this notebook at the top. That was uh, 2017. So probably about January 2017, it was all kind of coming to a head where, you know, um, sleeping in all day, drinking to excess, not really giving a fuck about much of anything. And uh, it starts to wear on you. You know, and you start to think like, damn, um, what should I be doing? And I couldn't help but kind of take it all back to who I've always been. Mm -hmm. Like, what what was I doing when I was a kid? And I was just making all the work, man. I was always making something, trying to show it to somebody and say, <clears throat> check this out. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I still think that that, that evolves day to day. But uh, for me, that's always been my, my favorite part of living life on earth is making something and then showing that to someone and seeing their reaction and like making them feel that yeah like, yeah feel me here's what i got exactly and uh you know i can relate to that to kind of tie a bow around it yeah. i guess uh you know that first trip outside of texas oklahoma was what allowed me to you know put my thoughts down for myself and put my <clears throat> Uh, you know, creative ambitions in one central location where I could kind of look back and hold myself accountable and say, okay, well, these notebooks are something that I can look back on when I'm old and say, yeah, that was the life that I was living. No, I like and that. It was just uh, an obsession from that point. So that's like almost seven years of work right there. How do you go about picking picking these books to write oh, in? Oh, yeah. Dude, sometimes they... Uh, do you mind if I look? look? Yeah, that's that's all good. Um, I guess before I start, um, I actually got that one as a gift, and it was right before I was about to go on this trip to London. Uh, you know, Dude, you got like graphs in here and shit. Like this, well, this ain't just was, a journal. That's what I was studying. Yeah, at the time. So part of that is uh, the curriculum, and then the other part is kind of like my my creative, um, you know, and like part of the adventure too, right? So, yeah. This is dope. <clears throat> yeah, we were studying uh, urban economics and macroeconomic theory. I think is what it was, or some shit like that. But um, it was cool, though, man. It was it was interesting because you know obviously you're going to school Monday through Friday, but you're there for five weeks, and two days out of the week you're not really tasked with much. Yeah, so, uh, you find whatever you want to find, <clears throat> food drink, casinos, whatever it is. Uh, we took a couple of trips, too, while we were out there, and 
went to uh, Barcelona, did this like massive like beach fest, which is nuts, and uh, went to Amsterdam too, which is wild. Oh, well, that's gotta be cool. Again, you know, I had never seen shit, so this is yeah. like <clears throat> crazy. Um, Barcelona is like the skateboarding mecca. Is that right? Yeah. I don't know much about skating. I saw a ton of. No, I'm 100% skateboarder over here, but. Yeah. Yeah, that's like the mecca of skateboarding because it's it's just like street skateboarding is like born there or not born there, but it like lives there, you know. Interesting. Yeah. I always would have thought, you know, California or somewhere mm-hmm. the West Coast, Portland or something. California and Barcelona, basically. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, I know you don't you don't do intros, so. Yeah, I mean we're already in it, man. Oh, I mean, okay. Yeah, you know I've been rolling, so. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Well, yeah. uh, what did you uh, what do you want to talk about? Man, I honestly want to get into uh, your band. Let's talk about the band a little bit. For sure. Um, first off, off the bat, I see Griffin Holtby playing with you. I've been trying to get him on the show. Griffin's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. He he must be busy as shit because I've tried to book him like twice, and I guess he's just busy or something. What's up? Do you know what's up with him? Uh, you know, I can't really speak to that. I know he is a busy guy. For yeah. Sure. Um, I've worked with him quite a bit the past year or so. It's kind of a, an interesting story. I was uh, putting together this gig over at Stan's Blue Note off Greenville. Yeah, I see y'all do a lot of stuff with them. It was it was interesting because for seven or eight years, they, they didn't do any live music at Stan's, which seems counterintuitive. You know, it's Stan's Blue Note. Mm-hmm. You know, why not? And I'd heard rumors of, like, Stevie Ray Vaughan played there and all that, you know, the the typical, like... Dallas hearsay. Yeah, and, uh, I was interested because you know back to my college days. OU, uh, there's like this alumni group who has a party there every year for OU Texas, right, the big game that Friday. And so, friend of a friend reaches out and says, "Hey, can you help us get some live music? I, I've seen you've been doing some gigs and stuff here in North." I'm like, "Okay." Um, so I talked to the guy. I'm like, I don't know much about like the acoustics of the room, can we come in and do like a sound check, say the Wednesday before our Friday gig? He's like, yeah, sure. And so we're setting up, it's probably eight or nine or whatever, just jamming. And this is super laid back. It's a Wednesday, there's nobody there. And this dude, I'll never forget this, because I I remember I experienced it and I was like, that's some shit that I would do. Yeah. This kid walks up to me and he's like, hey, are you guys about to jam? (laughs) I I was like, yeah. And he's like, is it a show? And I was like, no, nah, it's a sound check. We got a gig on Friday. Yeah. And he's like, can I go home and get my gear? And I'm thinking to myself, like. No way. I'm thinking, this guy's out of his mind. Yeah, like, what do you mean? <laughs> but again, like, so am I. So I'm like, that's something I would say. And I'm like, fuck yeah, you can go home and get your gear. Like, sure, you know. Not thinking much. I'm thinking he's going to come back. Not to knock it out. thinking he'd have, like, a squire or something. And, like, yeah, right. And, you know, a tiny amp or something. He comes back with, like. You know, a Telly and a Strat and, mm. like, a Marshall twin stack with all the goodies. And I'm like, all right. Yeah, he can correct. And he did. Yeah. He started blowing the fucking doors off this place, dude. And, uh, yeah, we've done, like, 20 shows since then. But it was just funny because, like, the stars kind of aligned in this moment. Randomly hanging out at Stan's Blue Note. And here we are, uh, kind of, you know, breaking ground with a venue again who hasn't done live music yeah. in years. And so that was a good show, you know, October, that alumni event or whatever. And me and Griffin stay in contact. We stay in touch with Stan's Blue Note. And we say, hey, we want to come in here as often as possible. Whatever day you'll let us play and just kind of see how it goes. So he starts with, okay, well, 
why don't we do a Wednesday here and there and just you know see what's good. They'd already been kind of doing some open mic type stuff that I wasn't really involved with. So I figured we can ramp that up, you know, Griffin with Work in Progress, my production company, kind of combine the two and start having some open mics. And, uh, yeah, like I said, Griffin, Griffin and I do a bunch of shows. Oh, yeah. uh, he's drummed from my band <clears throat> a couple of times. Guys like a, a savant or like a, a virtuoso musician like this guy. It seems like it, dude. Yeah. It's like this musical theory inside of his head like he doesn't even have to think about it yeah much like slick rick it's just an open channel <laughs> open channel yeah, yeah. Exactly. Stream it online at kanoin.com slash now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just want to say real quick, Hayden uh, is in a band, Del Mar era. It's really sick, guys. Y'all going to have to excuse my voice. I'm losing it. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to like and subscribe. Um, I want to also talk to y'all about um, your, your white jumpsuits, dude. I see y'all. Yeah. What, how did that come about? Because it looks like y'all just had like a paint party and fucking like. Uh, yeah. So, so y'all, dude. they play in like these white jumpsuits and they're like covered in like paint and shit and the whole band wears them. It's, it's a cool aesthetic. Appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I, I guess I'll kind of preface this by saying my band is like the new project. And so it's weird almost to talk about that uh, on the forefront. But the white jumpsuits. Uh, I love this idea. I love the idea of committing to the bit. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of putting on a show. And, you know, to be honest, uh, when my my friend John and I started this, shout out John Wright, oldest friend since I was like five years old, no shit. Um, when me and John started this project, <coughs> we were kind of just like trying to figure out what our sound was going to be like. And we had a couple of original songs. We actually had a, an original band name, uh, Jamming to a fault, which in hindsight does not sound cool. Jamming you know, to we a fault. Not, we were not a good band at that point. And, uh, you know, the idea was like it's just double entendre. Like, we're jamming to a fault because we rock so hard we fucking break the ground. Maybe. Yeah, okay. Um, but it, you know, it also had this double meaning of like you're literally jamming to a fault and everyone around you hates this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so it's kind of like this inside joke now. But uh, when Del Mar Era was formed, that was kind of when we started taking you know, the music really seriously, um, you know, obviously practicing a lot more, rehearsing a lot more, um, and with that kind of came this sense that, you know, we are putting on a show, and part of that show requires getting into character, getting into, um, you know, this performance mentality. Absolutely. Not worrying about, you know, the crowd work, not <clears throat> thinking about, you know, I hope everyone understands what the song's about, maybe I should explain what the song's about, before we start, no, fuck that. Like, uh, we're just going to go out there and play it. Yeah. And we want to have, you know, this mentality of, like, this is what it is, and then we're gone. Because, I don't know, I think over-explaining things is, is like, the opposite of what I want to have to do. You're not supposed to do that. I mean, yeah. magician doesn't reveal all his secrets, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, it's that thing, like, 
a joke is is but it's funny or something. I'm I'm gonna bias this or something about like uh, you know a joke's funnier the more you have to explain it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. Well, so let's let's go all the way back then, because when we talked on the phone, um, you said you used to paint. How'd you get into painting? What what happened there? Let's start from the beginning. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's the full circle, right? Like yeah. I started as a painter, hence the jumpsuits on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually did a lot of self-reflection before this interview, this podcast, because um, I've never been interviewed for like the shit that I love. Yeah. Before, you know, it's always been like, tell us about your experience managing a team, you know, whatever. And I can tell you about that, but I don't want to. Uh, because this is something that I've just... Well, it's, it's more fun to talk about what you want to, you know? Or what I've cared so much about yeah, my yeah. entire life. Um, you know, I started making artwork literally since before I can even remember. Like, I had an older brother, very creative guy, Austin Redmond, great guy. Um, my parents were both, you know, very creative people. Um, at the very least, they really appreciate art and music. And so... I feel like, you know, as that younger sibling, you're almost uh, you're almost playing this, this role of, like, comedic relief in a lot of ways. Like, you're the youngest, you're the cutest, no one takes you seriously. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in a way that's kind of been part of my development as a person and as an artist, um, mostly due to the fact that I use art to express myself, you know. I like to think that I'm an open book but it really just depends on who's asking the right questions right like I'm kind of you know more uh introverted recently it's been getting you know increasingly extroverted but yeah sorry increasingly introverted the opposite um just because like I don't know man I just I don't have time to bullshit around anymore I guess but uh I'm rambling. The question was, how did I get started making artwork? Um, yeah, dude, I mean, I, I just feel like it was always a pastime in the house. Uh, my brother was kind of a skater, too, so I used to, like, design his skate decks. Um, oh, my cool. babysitter uh, taught me how to do, like, graffiti, like, bubble letters when I was, like, four or five. And really? I mean, a, a really big uh, part of, like, my creative development. I, uh, I did this series where I was, like, making... Uh, like a, a series of characters that were, they were all monkeys, but they all had like different occupations. Oh, so you were doing NFTs before hey, NFTs, <laughs> right? <laughs> that was me, dude. I yeah. stole my idea. I they got be, you. I should be a thousandaire, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm not. Uh, no, man, it's, it was just something that it just always felt like something I was good at. And it was always something that people would say, like, you know, you've, you've got something here. Like, you should, yeah. shouldn't never quit. And uh, <clears throat> I guess I just believed him. <laughs> you know, and I never really had interest in like, you know, all the shit that I thought I was supposed to be doing. Like, it was basically art and sports my entire life. Okay. I never really wanted to like be a scientist or an engineer or any of that. <laughs> right. I just had to describe that. But have you always messed in the medium of paint, or do you go into other things like? Primarily, uh, I'd say my preferred medium's always been acrylic paint. Right. But you know, when I was a young kid, I used to do, like, uh, ceramics, you know, throwing pots. And oh, that's cool. Working with clay. And uh, it's weird because, you know, I, I kind of I think about it in, like, a, a series or, like, a, a handful of, of series, right? So, you know, obviously, like, the younger days, I don't give a fuck about the art that I made when I was five years old or whatever. 
but it's still a piece <clears> of what I'm doing now, right? And so I have to consider that. And when it goes to, say, my early adolescence, kind of lost sight of making artwork because, you know, when you're 10 to 12, 14 or whatever, sports is like the main thing, or it was for me at least. And so uh, playing football, playing baseball, playing basketball, all that stuff, that's really how I defined myself, right? I was the guy who did throw the ball the furthest or whatever. And it wasn't until... I herniated these two discs in my back when I was 14 that I was like, my identity shattered. Like, what am I now? How'd you do that? Uh, incorrectly powerlifting. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was tough. And, like, I don't blame anyone but myself for this. You really can't, right? Yeah. I mean, I'd love to. Right? <laughs> but at the end of the day, yeah. that, that, you lifted it. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was part of these football workouts I was doing for high school. That sucks. Uh, yeah, it was tough, dude. It was tough to get it my head around because I was like, again, here I am, 14 years old. Yeah, you're My whole identity is playing football, playing uh, basketball, baseball, that shit, and I'm about to go to a new high school. It's like summer workouts. I don't know anybody, right? And here I am. I can't even hardly walk. I literally can't walk. I'm going to PT like two hours a day, every day. Yeah. Getting better over time. You know, it probably took about six months to fully re rehabilitate. But during that time, <clears throat> again, just growing pains. Like, who am I? What am I doing now? And uh, that seems to be a constant with you. Yeah. Is, that, is that something that you've always kind of struggled with, or like, do you, do you find like? I I feel the need to evolve. Do you find you feel the need to find an understanding? Is that what you're looking for, or are you looking for um, an evolution? You know, an, an understanding of the world, or an understanding whatever. Of yourself. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess all of the above. You know, to be honest, uh, I've always felt like I've got something to give, mm -hmm. something that I can do to make the world better. I, and I don't always know what it is, right? And sometimes it's as simple as just paying a compliment or paying some constructive criticism one way or another. But um, I do feel like, you know, this, this like work in progress mentality that I've you know, really adopted over the past few years is has shaped my decision making and by, you know, changing the way I think about interacting with people or uh, you know, making decisions or, you know, managing a product like a project. It's like it all comes back to, well, what do I know? Or who am I? And what do I want the end result to look like? Um, and the world changes. If you're not changing right along with it, then you're going to get left in the dust. That's true. You know, there's that, that great Pink Floyd quote. It's like, nobody told you when to run. You missed a starting gun. Mm -hmm. It's so true, though. Because the world's going to keep on going with it without you. Yeah. You keep up or get left behind. Yeah. Um, I feel like I kind of danced around that question, though. What was that? I was just, I was just asking if you feel like you seem to have a struggle with uh, – finding an understanding or w what the next step is all the time do you, you do you see is it always like uh what what is it behind you that you're searching for do you think i'd say more so than anything it's just been a a series of roadblocks or uh, circumstances that have kind of shown me what the real the real purpose is right and so um call it fate, call it 
whatever, I feel lucky because, you know, if if I hadn't herniated those discs in my back, maybe I'd be, you know, playing D2 ball somewhere or something. Maybe, yeah. the team or something. I've got a similar story. I mean, I had a concussion in the military, and they kicked me out, and now I'm doing stuff like this. But I'm sure I'd be exactly. in the military, you know, have a military career and all that. It changes but, everything. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, I want to believe that everybody has – know that that journey that they're supposed to go on it's not always easy dude it's not supposed to be no not at all um you do have to find your your true self and that is something that i'm always looking for um but just to kind of kind of share on that like chronological order right so um cared a lot about sports got the injury okay well started diving in back to the ceramics back to painting and that's where again i started seeing people you know, appreciating the work and th- thinking to themselves like, okay, well, Hayden's the art guy now or whatever. And I really liked that. Um, and eventually that started to fade. I started getting, you know, back into sports once I rehabilitated, starting getting more interested in, you know, partying and finding a girlfriend and all that kind of stuff, you know, late high school s- stuff like that, you know, trying to find uh, a college to go to, figure out how to pay for it and all that shit. Um, and, you know, I did that, went to school and then, Feeling started, you know, getting in front of me again. Where, you know, here I am, seemingly doing all the things you're supposed to be doing. You know, I'm in school, I'm working, I'm making good grades, all that. And I'm not happy. You know, I'm going to parties, I got friends, I'm not happy. Drinking, smoking myself into oblivion, uh, not sleeping right. Like, something had to change. And I, I was talking to one of my oldest friends, and he's like, well, why don't you just get back into making artwork, man? Yeah. That's what you always like to do. And, do what uh, makes you happy. And I, like, I remember this till I die, dude. We were sitting in my room, and I'm just like fucking just distraught. And I, I go, how? He takes a notebook, slides it across like that. He was going to start right now. And I did. And uh, the, you know, the idea of, like, a Finsta, you, you ever heard that word? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, people were making, like, fake Instagrams for their dogs and, like, their food accounts or whatever. And so I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to start posting something on the Internet. And it started out, I had, like, my homie, Nick, the guy who told me to do it, um, John, my oldest friend, right, Co- co-runner of Whip and bandmate now and probably two or three other friends who like were really like day one you know what I'm saying like they really supported me day one um and I forget that and is that how this started oh yeah that's how the notebook started it's yeah it's it's all it's all just kind of like that pivotal moment where you know existential 20 or yeah I guess I was 20 or 19 years old and just having this quarter-life crisis, like, what am I going to do? And it started just writing ideas down, sketching some different, you know, paintings or whatever I wanted to work towards. Um, and it just kind of snowballed, you know, that, that feeling of, like, gratification when I was able to, like, show someone a new piece, uh, you know, get that, like, oh, shit, this is sweet. Or, like, you know, the serotonin from, like, likes on my my art Instagram. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, like, this is this is cool. 
and then people start wanting to buy it, and I'm like, this is fucking sweet. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, and that took a while. You know, I actually sold my first piece, uh, Norman Art Fest, sitting on the street corner, and that's like why I feel this, this tie to the late night call because I respect the fuck out of those guys, dude. Every single day, every single time I was in deep on my selling plan. Every time, dude. You have to respect the hustle. I mean, those guys. Like, just to speak on them real quick, like. There's really no other band doing it like them. Like they really, I respect the fuck out of them, and it's like they are a true street band. Well, that's the right mentality. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, just putting in those hours. It's all about the grind. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you, when you really enjoy and you appreciate the grind, it's really not that bad. It feels good. For sure, man. What do you think? Um, what do you think makes a meaningful life? You know, I want to uh, I want to opine on a question like this, but at the end of the day, I always kind of lean back on the fact that my opinion doesn't really matter, and it shouldn't matter to anyone else. I respect but that. If you were to ask me what makes a meaningful meaningful life for me, what I want to uh, do with my life and put meaning towards that, I think it's about impacting people in a positive way and providing opportunities for people and blowing a motherfucker's mind every now and then. Yeah. Just showing them, like, what's possible, you know. Um, there's a couple of, of people that I've had the, the privilege of working with that have, you know, shown me the light or, you know, changed my way of thinking that has just been so drastic where I, I have to wonder where I would be without them. And so in return, I feel the need to open those doors for other people. Um, Lottie the Musician comes to mind, for example. I don't know if you know uh, who Lottie is, but he's a, a great dude based in Arlington. He runs uh, the silent media movement. No, I don't know him. And uh, he's heading up like four or five bands, all of which fucking rock. Yeah. That's beside the point. Uh, just a, a great you know, mentor. And so when you talk about you know, how do you put meaning to life, it's like it's about the people, dude. It's about... You know, having these relationships with people and, and sharing what you know and making their lives a little bit easier by being a part of it. Yeah. I can do that. Yeah, I respect that. I want you to tell me, um, let's, do you think uh, live music is dying in this, with the way that streaming is going, like just taking over everything and no one, like kids stream everything now. And I, I do too. Like I, I stream everything and like... Um, Live music just doesn't really seem to be like. What, what, what's your opinion on that, man? Well, if you had to ask me, I'd say live music dying. No, definitely not. Is it changing? Absolutely, yes. Uh, I actually like the direction that it's heading. Yeah. Because there are fewer barriers. You know, it seems like year after year, you have more and more people, exponential growth in Spotify and people who just have their content out there, which I feel like is the most important thing. Um, but more so, you know, you've got the technology around, you know, sharing, excuse me, sharing the music in a creative sense, right? You know, so let's say five years ago you could have, uh, you know, just standstill camera, and you're streaming it in 720. Okay, well now you're in 1440 or whatever it is, and maybe you've got two other camera angles 
both of which are, you know, high quality, serious production. And uh, that's just something that, that I've noticed in, in terms of really catching someone's attention. It, it kind of comes down to like the, the quality of the work. You know, if you've got, let's say, like a reel on Instagram or TikTok mm-hmm. or something, well, I mean, if you're shooting in uh, 1080p or something like that, like it, it's obviously going to look more legit. And perception is reality, dude. I mean, if it looks like it's cool, then people are going to be interested in it. Um, but with that said, I think there's, there's kind of this double-edged sword because you can never really capture what a live experience is like. Right, right. You know, you've you've seen these uh, documentaries of, you know, like Woodstock or you know, Burning Man or whatever, but, like, you weren't there. You didn't feel it. And that's the thing. Again, I, I hate to keep circling back to Late Night Call, but I, I, uh, I've just learned so much from, like, working with those guys. It seems like... The coolest, like, most awesome video I have on my phone from a show of those guys, like, doesn't even compare. Like, when you're actually in the shit and you feel what that artist is pushing out through yeah. the speakers, like, you just can't compare it to anything. Ricky's just a natural at it, too, man. And, I mean, shit, you see, <clears throat> see all, all the great performers at the same mm-hmm. one. It's like, it's one of the reasons why I feel like you shouldn't be able to have your phone at a concert, which I know is a touchy subject, but, like, I feel like if there's a way to work around that, it would make everyone happier. Well, you know, some bands, like, they'll, they do make you put your phone up. Yeah. Like, Jack White. Yeah. If, you go to, if you go to a Jack White show, you, do that. yeah, they make you leave your phone at the, at the door. You pick it up when you leave. I mean, it creates that more personal, intimate environment anyway, you know. And I, I dig it, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I've always kind of thought about you know, the progression of, of being an artist, specifically a musician. Uh, let's say you start as, you know, beginner, novice, whatever. I kind of track it as uh, a bedroom performer, a campfire performer, garage band yeah. expert, and then ultimately, you know, a gigging artist. Sure. And it's kind of once you turn that corner on that, <clears throat> that last one where you're able to understand, like, I can feed myself. Mm-hmm. I can literally live my life by playing play three or four chords and they get by just fine yeah you know? right so uh acdc made a living of it <laughs> yeah it's a long way to the top though yeah if you're gonna rock and roll right absolutely <laughs> <sighs> Ugh, i don't like bubbly water anyway another liquid death ad right here um the black one's sparkling water the white one's regular that's my favorite that's where it's at this mango one's new they're just putting all the flavors out now uh, Skateboarder-owned company. We're supporting everything skater-owned. What's up with that? Y'all check it out. Oh, man. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I guess the main takeaway is you got to take it seriously, but you also can't take it too seriously. So yeah. there's like that perfect balance. Because, you know, I think the audience can can smell that, and they, they have to relate to what you're putting down. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they're going to smell the bullshit right away, you know. So do this for me. Highlight a low light. If it could be a, a performance, a bad performance you had, a bad time in life, just highlight a low light for me. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna reflect on something that has a happy ending. <laughs> That's always good. Uh, and I guess it has a happy middle and beginning also. But basically, uh, it was a lesson that I learned after. 
the eighth concert that we threw with Work in Progress. Okay. So it was definitely a formative time in my like early creative career, I guess I'll call it. Um, and I, I struggle even to really define what it was because it was so new to, to what my life was at that time. Um, I started work in progress with John in January of 2021. In February, we had our first gig, and it was right after the winter storms rolled through. Oh, nice. And, uh, you know, the, the whole purpose of work in progress is we want to give back to the community. Mm-hmm. We want to support local artists. Literally the only two things. That's always what it's been about. Excuse me. Um, cut that out. <laughs> uh, but no, that's that's what it's always been about. And uh, I feel like for these first eight shows, it's exactly what we did. You know, we had the first three gigs donated like five k to the food bank. That's awesome. We got to Houston. Um, you know, I had a great time. Like, yeah. really, just kind of getting my feet wet with these. These, uh, you know, two great friends of mine, John and TJ, just, like, throwing gigs and just seeing, like, <clears throat> this is possible. People are reacting to what we're doing. And, you know, we had, like, 300 people show up to our third gig. And I'm like, okay, well, now we're really getting traction here. Like, this is sweet. Took a little time off to rebuild. And then we hit it, you know, Austin, OKC, Brooklyn, back to Dallas. And... You know, I think that was over the course of like a couple of weeks, but it was it was tough. You know, especially balancing a nine to five, you know, oh, yeah. forty hour a week job. All of us were actually still are, um, and so the big push was really going to Brooklyn. We were playing a gig for uh, St. Baldrick's, which is a cancer research center uh, based in California. I shaved my head. We raised raised uh, like twenty five hundred bucks for those guys. And came back down to Dallas for our Dallas show. And it was probably a combination of, you know, pressure from the show, pressure from performing in the show, uh, pressure of, you know, having all my friends there. You know, the fear of public failure is always very real when you're, you know, putting something out there like that. Um, And at the end of the day, it was another good show. But I felt terrible about it. What happened? I'm not sure why. And, uh, you know, as much as I've thought about it, I think that it came down to this feeling of, like, wanting to be perfect and knowing that I would never be. And knowing that no matter how hard I tried, I'll never be perfect. Well, nobody is, man. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was really low, you know. I remember we were in Dallas. I was living in Houston at the time. We were in Dallas, and I was driving back to Houston, which okay. is like three and a half hours, four hours maybe. And uh, I was riding with my brother and his, his wife at the time. Still his wife, but uh, I'm not sure if president. I think he was, at the, he was his fiance at the time, so I didn't know I was that up. But um, I was driving down, sitting in the back seat, and like I couldn't tell if it was just like, exhaustion, fatigue, whatever, not sleeping enough. But I just felt like this terrible, like, sense of, like, depression and guilt. And I'm like, what did I do? Like, why did yeah. I feel so bad? And I realized once I got home, it was because I felt like I let the fans down. Like, these people came to a show, and I didn't give them what I thought was the best. And, you know, they spent 
20, 25 bucks. And I just felt guilty. I was like, damn. Um, so that was low, dude. That sucked. What did you feel like you were – why did you feel that way? What were you lacking in? I think three things, really. Um, there was some confusion with the venue, not to knock them at all, but there was mm. some expectations that we had that were not met. And so for that reason, there was like a really long line at the bar the entire night. Oh, that's horrible. And that, yeah, it's, it's just bad for a show. Yeah. Um, on top <clears throat> of that, there was, uh, you know, an expectation that they would be like donating proceeds from the bar that also didn't happen. And mm. so now I'm like, that's not cool. Because that's really what the whole thing's about. Right. Um, and then the worst this was like the worst thing I've ever had to do as a promoter or event organizer. The venue made me kick an artist off stage, and I felt so terrible about that. Mid-performance? Mid-performance. No shit. They played their first song, and they said, this guy's not welcome to play here. What? I felt so bad, because um, I love the artist, dude. And Was he just super vulgar? Or it was a combination of things. You know, I think... Um, Reading the room is really important. When yeah. You know, throw one of these gigs. And basically what happened was um, I had listened to their work on Spotify, and I had worked with this guy as a graphic artist. You know, he'd been at some past shows, and it was like a real Kid Cudi kind of like chill, okay. soul kind of yeah. cool shit. And I was like, this is going to be perfect. <clears throat> and he's like, can I bring my band? And I said, of course. Um, not knowing that his, his full band is a little bit more heavy, a little bit you know harder. And uh, they put on a great show. They did. That first song lit that place up. I loved it. Yeah. But the venue owner didn't love it. And, uh, you know, he's expressing <clears throat> himself. He's hopping up and, up and down, you know, kicked over a chair and shit, which I thought was fucking sweet. Yeah. But, yeah, the venue owner tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, you need to get this guy off stage right now. And that just made me feel like the biggest piece of shit on the planet because they drove up from Houston for that show. Oh, yeah, that makes it a little and different. I was like, you know, they didn't want to talk to me after that. Yeah. And that hurts. Um, but full circle, the show we just did down in Houston was actually with those guys, so now we're cool. Oh, well. It took me a while to, like, find an opportunity to, like, make things right, but uh, I'm happy that we were able to finally do that. Well, that's good, yeah. But I guess... You know, you talk about highlighting the lowlights. Um, that was just a really tough thing for me to get over because, you know, feeling like you let people down, like not even like like one single person, like a lot of people. Yeah. Just, just sucks, dude. No, I feel you. And it was tough because I would talk to my friends and they'd say, it was a great show. Like, we had a good time. And I didn't believe them because I thought they were just saying that. Um, I'm always my, my hardest critic. So. Well, everyone is, man. I mean, it, you could have a perfectly good show, and, you know, only you're going to see the, the things that went wrong, probably. I hope so. You know? <laughs> I uh, hope that's the case. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take us into our uh, our new our ish segment that we do now. It's called Hit or Shit. And sorry I sound like Steve-O, guys. Yeah, dude. Uh, anyway, so basically I'm going to name a few things, and you just kind of tell me if that's a hit for you or if that's just shit. Let's do it. All right. So right off the bat, Broadway musicals. Oh, man. I don't know the first thing about it. I mean. Just be honest, man. Just tell me what you think, I, man. I don't know shit. Uh, totally uneducated. 
I think that there's a time and place for it. I was a huge fan of School of Rock growing up as a kid. Me too, I love that. The Book of Mormon I've heard is great. I'm trying to think. I mean, really the only experience I have with musicals would be like... Uh, ah, shit, dude, I got nothing. <laughs> shit, <laughs> that's fine. I think I saw The Nutcracker when I was a little kid. Right. I don't even think that's a musical, is it? Not really. Dude, don't get me lying. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. All right, so next one, uh, Gibson guitars. Because oh, a lot of people, are they're, they love them or they hate them. Yeah, I love a nice Gibson, dude. Yeah. I, uh, I've never been one to, you know, own, like, a really fancy guitar. Um, I've always played Squires, Ibanez, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think in terms of, like, a dream guitar, shit. You know, that Gibson SG with the fucking double neck, dude. Oh, uh, Jimmy Page one. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. yeah, I feel you. All right, how about um, nuts and brownies? Nuts and brownies? It depends what kind. I mean, hazelnuts, shit, yeah, why not? Although, I'm also, I got a sweet tooth, so I'd, I'd eat pretty much anything. Right. Yeah. I'm the same, dude. It, yeah. yeah. All right, how about burnt cookies? Some people like their cookies burnt, a little overdone. Yep. Yeah. Um, my standards for, for cookies are also generally low so I, <laughs> I did cookie. not one of those like robot bullshit though. yeah yeah but, but yeah i'll tell you it's a hit too all right all right how about lava lamps <sighs> lava lamp shit i don't personally own one yeah but i feel like yeah i, I fuck with lava lamps yeah me too right yeah <laughs> that's a hit <laughs> All right, how about uh, French fries and milkshakes? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, obviously, obviously all right. <laughs> Off top, um, Crocs. Nah. That's that shit. Nah, dude, I got, I got no swag. I already know that my drip doesn't exist, but I don't fucking wear Crocs. Me neither, dude. I, I can't do it. I don't see how that's a thing. Yeah, all right. Allows that. How about um, belt clips for your phone? Uh, I mean... Nah. Nah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like an excuse why anyone would really need that. But the only thing I can think of is like they're a fucking cop, dude. No way. <laughs> right, right, right. No way. Alright, how about uh bucket hats? Yeah. I mean I don't wear bucket hats, but I think if somebody can rock one, like hell yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a uh my homie Jaden wears bucket hats sometimes. He's a good guy. Right, right. Yeah, no disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so a more current events one. How about Andrew Tate? Andrew Tate, honestly, don't really know. He's not aware. Much about that. I think I saw something where he's like, he's just talking a bunch of shit, and they got basically, basically, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, I'm pass on that one. Yeah, dude. No, I'm all good, man. This was a pretty interesting one. How about uh, flam pink flamingos that go in like your front yard? Um, I would say that's a major hit. That's a hit. Yeah. <laughs> those definitely. Cool, cool, man. Right on. So that's that's hitter shit, man. Um, I, I really want to, I want to give you a chance to speak on work in progress for a minute. Uh, tell me about how this started. Where what's the direction you're going in with it? Just kind of speak on it, man. Yeah. Um, so work in progress constantly changes. Uh, uh, with the name, right? I mean, it's a work in progress. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's interesting, right? You know, we touched on it a little bit before. Work in progress has always been about supporting local artist communities supporting local charities, which I feel go hand in hand. Um, it seemed like a relatively simple concept for me to wrap my head around. Uh, it's always been about having a good time, having fun. And we agreed, you know, the day that it's no longer 
fun, we're not going to do it anymore. Yeah. And for that reason, I'm actually stepping down as CEO of Work in Progress. To pursue music or? Uh, to move on to the next project. Yeah. Okay, okay. So uh, we are going to basically close the books, start something new. And <clears throat> I think that from day one until now, I'm just so proud. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Um, the amount of people that had their their fingerprints on this is like so inspiring, dude. Because it, it's pretty impressive, honestly. Yeah. And um, you know, you talk about those those low moments and how they can kind of push you in the right direction. I'm uh, let's see, I guess two years out of school at this point, and I'm down in Houston. You know, I was working in Dallas, down in Houston. And me and John, my oldest friend, are sitting around having tacos. And I want to say it's August of 2020. So we've been going through the shit for about eight months, maybe five of COVID. Yeah. Um, It was tough. It was wearing on me because I had always had this this drive to, like, throw concerts. Um, I guess we kind of – we missed the – the section here, but I actually through concerts in college too. So, um, I always had that experience. Is like that was when I was really living. You know, I threw these shows in college. I kind of found like whatever my purpose was after that, that initial you know crisis, and then I went out of school, tried to find a music gig, started going broke, couldn't find shit. Uh, I had to had to take a job. I had to take a job and. Uh, whatever I could get with an economics degree, which turned out to be um, what I was led to believe was more of like economic forecasting and turned out to be more like bullshit number crunching and like like 60-hour weeks of taking shit from somebody else to do something I don't really care about. Yeah, Um, good times. That was tough, dude. And I was doing that for about a year. And I'm basically with my wits end, and I meet with my buddy John, and I say, I've got this business plan. And as my best friend, I need you to hold me accountable to make sure that I do this or I'm never going to be happy. He says, I'm fucking in, dude. Let's do it. So for the next five months, we start banging on doors. We start, you know, really building out this business plan. Loop in our buddy TJ, who is kind of like a, a business development guru himself. And just through our first gig. You know, it was supposed to be actually our uh, our inaugural gig was supposed to be in my backyard yeah. right after the winter storm, and uh, my landlord found out and was like, "No fucking way!" <laughs> so at this point, it was, oh, dude, it was like five days before the show. I oh man! I publicly told the story. It was like five days before the first show, and we didn't have a venue. We had sold fifty-five tickets already. We had like thousands of dollars that did not belong to us. And ticket sales, and we have no venue, and we're freaking out, obviously. Excuse me. And uh, you know, looking at John, like this is not going well. <laughs> and uh, you know, we just basically started hammering the phones. We found a venue that would let us set up shop, did our thing, and it went off way better than we expected. You know, ended up having 180 people there at the first show. Yeah. Uh, raised two grand for the North Texas Food Bank got to like get on stage really for the first time 
And I mean, that just blew the fucking doors off everything. Like that first good show, people buy t-shirts. Like it was, it was really eye-opening. And uh, that's really how it started. And I'm a really sentimental person, hence the notebooks. Hence all the knickknacks I've collected over the years and you know, things I choose to hold on to, including but not limited to musical instruments. Um, but I've always wanted it to be about the artists, always about the charity. And the feeling that that builds in a room, and like the, that purpose, you know, adds to the vibe, right? You know, if, if I were to throw a gig and say all this money is going in my pocket, it wouldn't feel the same. Like, it wouldn't yeah. really feel like we're having this cumulative impact together. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I feel like has always been important about WIP. And so, over time, you know, we've always thought, you know, what are the goals? Just kind of pick an arbitrary number. I want to donate 10 grand to charity. Uh, which ones? Food bank. Cancer research. Mental health. You can't fight with that. All of this... All this uh, conflict in the world, all these people arguing on the internet and in real life, and you know, especially following the uh, you know the COVID vaccine debates and all of that stuff. That's not that's not where I feel like I need to share my opinions. What I need to do is deal in absolutes. What do we know is a problem? Yeah. Well, food shortage. I mean, everyone just had their power out for six days. I was living in. 32 degrees in my living room like that's that's not right why is that the case well I can't I can't answer a question as complex as that but what I do know is that I can throw a show and raise money for the food bank yeah I really need it and like I said it's it's simple it's just easy as that and uh I was just amazed by how people responded to it you know I think the timing was really everything um people paid 25 bucks to go to a show and I think that was just a sign of the times. Like, people were just dying to get out. They wanted to Oh, absolutely, yeah. It also helped that it was, you know, a free-flowing airway uh, venue, you know, half indoor, half outdoor. So I think that was a way for us to stay safe and uh, all that, you know, given the, the climate and things. But Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, it, it evolved from kind of just throwing, you know, DIY shows, and then we started, you know, producing interviews and music videos. Um shows with more production value and then kind of looped back into you know the beginning again with open mics and really just trying to devote our time to uh, developing a community around Dallas and giving people opportunities to not only perform not only uh, you know work with their passion of maybe being a sound or a light technician but taking photos taking videos yeah um, even you know someone who's passionate about being a stagehand and just opening up all of these doors it's like what we were talking about uh, when we were grabbing coffee before this. It's like every show has some boxes that need to be checked. You're going to have to have, uh, you know, someone setting up the PA system. You're going to have to have someone who's going to throw up some lights or throw up, uh, you know, the microphone stands and all that. And what it really comes down to is effort and attitude. Because if you don't have those two things, if those those two things aren't, uh, aligned with what we're trying to do, then I don't have any time for you. Yeah, I mean, your attitude would take you a long way, too. Exactly. Yeah. I've, I've had issues where it's like you've got someone who's really good at their job, but if they're not going to 
appreciate the project, I got no time for it. Yeah. You know? I, I love that, man. I mean, there's, that kind of shit just gets in the way. You, know, you ain't got time for it. You're trying to accomplish a goal. You know? Yeah. And, you know, again, that does go back to, uh, you know, with creative ideas, there's there's no right or wrong way to do it. There's no, uh, you know, definitive direction. But there's always got to be someone who kind of has a say in, like, well, here's the end goal. Yeah. And it's important to have, you know, open discussions that will lead to, you know, the best possible option. But at the same time, it's like you can't have, uh, what is that, too many chefs in the kitchen or something like that. Yeah. Because I've had that problem too, you know, going back to my first few shows where uh, politics get involved and the next thing you know, you got to loop in a whole whole crew. Like, that's, that's a bitch. Yeah. With all that being said, what, what motivates you to continue and, and keep going? Dude, it always comes down to people, man. I yeah. feel like uh, just when I feel like I'm not doing enough or just when I feel like things aren't really going the way they should, I have somebody just hit me up out of nowhere or, you know, stop me and say, like, uh, you know, when you I'm, – I'm thinking of my, my buddy Gerardo right now based in uh, in Houston, makes awesome artwork, Gerardo1001 on Instagram. And uh, I remember I met this dude. It was It was one of those days where – you're starving, like you're really looking for something to eat. It's like nine, like eight forty-five, and you're just like, I gotta find something. Yeah. I just moved to Houston, and I didn't know where shit was. I was living on the east side, and so I just Google Mexican food, and Magas comes up. So I'm like, all right, second, I'm try this out. I shredded over to Magas with like five minutes till they close. It's raining outside, which is the perfect day to eat Mexican food. And I roll in there, and uh, this dude Gerardo is sitting at the front desk. Like, you know, the front checkout area, cashier. And he's drawing something. And I look around, and I see all this artwork in here. It's kind of like, uh, you know, family-owned, old-school okay, kind of spot. Yeah. Uh, and I look around, I'm like, oh, man, like, who makes all this artwork? And he's like, you know, most of it's my cousin, some of it's mine. You know, I'm like, that's cool. And, you know, in a situation like this, I could come right out and say, take my business card, I do all this and that. But I never do that. I, I always try and just kind of, like, egg people on a little bit and be like mm-hmm. interesting so like do you make artwork a lot and like, yeah <laughs> trying to figure out a little bit exactly and uh, just you know line them line them up to start going off but uh Gerardo's just like so excited to talk about his artwork he's like man like you know I just really started diving in like six or seven months ago and I I just love it and all my friends have been telling me like I gotta keep chasing it and I was like you should man like you, you make some really cool stuff and uh just on a whim you know I, I knew that we had a show uh, seven weeks out or something. Maybe it was like four weeks out. I'm not even really sure. We had a gig down the road, and I was like, it'd be great if you could bring some of your artwork out. And he's like, bro, you want me to be in your art show? Yeah. I'm like, hell yeah, I want you to be in our art show. And he lost it. He fell out, and he went home and started making like a bunch more stuff. He was getting expired. And, you know, and sold you... a few pieces at the gig. Yeah. Um, started throwing... You know his own kind of shows around Houston. Um, he actually made our jumpsuits for the the most recent oh, that's cool. show. So we're real tight. Um, but it does come back down to the people because it's like, you know, like we're talking about having a meaningful life. You know, you gotta you gotta really cherish those relationships and and really 
uh, understand the impact that you have on people. And once you show someone what is possible, they might just take that and run with it and yeah. change the fucking world. Dude. It sounds like you motivated him. You know, he went home and got to work. He, you know, he actually gave us a uh, a really <clears throat> nice testimonial. So if you ever go yeah. on our website, you can see that. But awesome, Rutgers man, yeah. I want to ask you just a few, like, just random questions. Um, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, so I was basically between, and this is, like, literally so definitive of, like, all that stuff I just said. It was either cartoon illustrator, pro football running back. No way. Hell yeah. Yeah. It was those two things. Uh, I used to love tech deck That's like dudes. left brain, right brain. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tech deck dudes. I noticed you, you got like. Yeah, dude. No, I've got some like the the old ones, the little magnetic ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was the type of thing that uh, I feel like really kind of spurred my my creative interests. You know, especially around uh, painting portraits and and painting different types of of people and trying to capture like uh, the essence of a character, if you yeah, will. That's cool. And uh, you know the the sports thing. I mean, I think that just kind of goes back to you know older brother does this. Dad's interested in this. Naturally, it kind of just comes back to, okay, well, that's what the youngest son's going to do. And, uh, yeah, I was just saw sports as a great way to connect with people and relate to people. Um, similar to music. You know, I think that's really what my whole life has been devoted to, is just trying to connect and, and share something with other people. Do you think you've kind of found your place in the world? Uh, you know, I'm still looking for it. Um, I've definitely... You know, surrounding myself with a lot of really awesome people. You know, I'm grateful to have in my life. Um, and I think that's half the battle. Um, you know, I've given so much to this idea of work in progress. It's almost bittersweet to uh, to say goodbye. But at the same time, you know, I, I have to understand that life is about evolving. And it's just time. You know, it's time for me to change the way I operate and change the way I move. And just because I'm not, you know, the head of work in progress anymore doesn't mean I can't live that same mentality and, and still move throughout the world with that same mm -hmm. um, ambition, right? Like, I'm still going to try and inspire people and push people in a, a direction that Absolutely. makes them happy. Yeah. Um, it'll just look different. Speaking of time... Um when you think about time in like a general aspect, do you, is it relevant to you? Do you feel like it moves quickly? How, how do you experience time? That's a really good question. Um, for me, I feel like I always define my my life like by what notebook. This sounds so cheesy. What notebook I'm writing in? Because <laughs> like, dude, I I swear I I could just name off like each one of these chapters. And usually they last about six to eight months, and I'll kind of go off on a tear and then spend some time off it and then go back in it. But um, so much of, of my life kind of ties back to, you know, what projects am I working on? Because whenever I'm, like, really devoted to something, I, I just I dive into it. I, I just obsess about it. Yeah. And, you know, when it goes to work in progress when it goes to the band, when it goes to, um, you know, my best friends, my girlfriend, my vices, like everything. Like, if I love something, I'm going to I'm gonna put everything I got into it, you know. Um, but 
I think more and more I've been kind of taken back by the idea that I'm not in a rush and I'm not really I'm not racing against anything, you know. I was I like that yeah. this weird idea and I've I've actually noticed this phenomenon with a few people. I wasn't really capable of envisioning what my future would look like. You know, as an 18 or a 19-year-old, I could never imagine what a 23-year-old version of me would be like. And, you know, sadly enough, there was a point in my life where I didn't know if I would get there. And, uh, you know, luckily I have, and I've been really fortunate to wake up today and keep moving. But uh, time's, time's a funny thing, man. You know, you can't get too caught up in how old you are. You can't get too caught up in, in uh, you know, where someone else was when they were your age. But that day-to-day shit is what really what it comes down to. How much time are you spending on your phone fucking around? How much time are you spending in your bed when you could be out getting it? And that's something I struggle with all the time. It's just so easy to be complacent nowadays. You know, and you can just look at your phone and be gone for hours. I think apathy is the the biggest problem with our, our culture is just like not giving a fuck. Yeah. And I I think there are times when not giving a fuck is great, but when it comes to like most things that's not the case. No, I agree. From a creative sense, not giving a fuck's are great though. <laughs> yeah, right. That's key. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> Uh, tell me about your gear a little bit, man. What do you? What kind of guitar are you playing? Um, I, I noticed you play on like a, a semi-hollow. Mm-hmm. Do you prefer that over a solid body? Um, it depends. You know, I I will admit, uh, up until recently, you know, I, I said the band is kind of a new development. Up yeah. Until recently, I always saw myself as more of kind of like a, a business management type of role in music. I think there was... Is the music just a side thing for you? Are you, are you more in... It's a new obsession. Yeah, okay. Sure. Okay. Um, you know, it's something that I've always <clears throat> really loved doing. You know, I started playing when I was 14. Yeah. Kind of off and on a little bit, and then really started taking it seriously when I was 21. So I've been playing for about five years pretty seriously now. Okay, but, okay. Um, it was weird because with these gigs, like, you, you can't publicly lack confidence because you're basically sending a Mayflower out there yeah. saying the show is on February 28th mm-hmm. there and you got to do as much as you possibly can to make sure it's a success between now and the yeah. day that you said it was and so there was so much you know effort and time and energy that I put into just putting the gigs together that I never felt like it was my place to also put myself on stage and I think part of it was, you know, just lacking the confidence, lacking the preparation and the training, and just understanding that that wasn't my place to be. Um, but, you know, evolving from that jamming to a fault era, yeah. moving towards what is now, you know, Del Mar era, and being part of something that I really am confident in and believe in and love to my fucking grave, like, that's... That's where I'm willing to say, yeah, I'm going to go on stage. That's awesome. Shit. Yeah, I love because that. Because there's no other way to do it. You know, you're either in or you're out. 
there's a Mac Miller line that I I really wish I had off the top of my head. He's one of my biggest influences. Okay, you got to um, jump in the swim. You gotta jump in and swim. Yeah, right. What are some other influences musically? Uh, I was always a big Rolling Stones fan growing up. My, okay. Uh, my parents kind of old souls. So, yeah. Um, I grew up on classic rock, dude. Yeah, like classic rock. Yeah. Stuff. That was really what, what <clears throat> changed everything. You know, mm-hmm. I, I joke with my brother that our uh, our old Xbox hard drive had the greatest uh, collection of music right. ever known to man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, The Offspring, Smash. One of my favorite albums growing up, Beastie Boys, um, Smash Hits, obviously by uh, Jimi Hendrix. I remember I was a little kid, and this kind of goes back to you know being the youngest sibling, um, you know, really seeking acceptance from people who I cared about, my my older brother and my dad, um, other like you know mentors I had growing up. But I remember probably five years old, worth the Best Buy, off of. Brian Irving, right over by, you know, kind of where I used to live. And my brother, who was 10 at the time, bought Jimi Hendrix smash hits. And I just remember hearing, you know, all shit about that. I got this one. Is that... Yep. But I remember just hearing that and being like, ooh. And it goes, Purple Haze. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you always want to do shit you're not supposed to do when you're a little kid. So I remember shortly thereafter, we're sitting in uh, my front yard. We had this little boom box. We used to do yard work all the time. That was how my brother and my dad and I always hung out. Um, we're doing yard work, and he's playing the seed that he just got. I'm singing Purple Haze. He says, do you know what Purple Haze is? Yeah. I said, I have no idea. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And, uh, yeah, it's just been, like, it's one of the most definitive music moments in my life. I think about that all the time. Because, um, like, you know, subconsciously, I feel like our our motives and our aspirations are shaped by who we look up to. Oh, absolutely, and yeah. by understanding, like, my dad likes this music, my brother likes this music, this must be what's cool yeah and uh you know for that reason i love the rolling stones i love the beastie boys i loved you know offspring and you know zeppelin and all of this music that i heard in my house and i'm so lucky that i had that you know eclectically cultural enriched upbringing and uh yeah i love my family to death dude like those guys Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. Shout yeah. Out to my pops and my my mom. I feel you though, man. Like hardest the worker, hardest workers I've ever met. That's how I got into um, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. Was through my mom. Fucking rocks. Yeah, too, man. And Tom Petty, uh, The Doors, probably one of my favorites. I think totally. Uh, you didn't even ask this question. Greatest rock song of all time. Peace Frog by The Doors. Really? You ever heard that one? Uh, absolutely. Blood in the streets is up to my ankle. Yeah. Blood in the streets is up to my knees. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah, I love that. Uh, you mind if we take a quick break? Man, we can wrap this up, honestly. I, I mean, it's whatever you want to do. You mind if we take a quick break? Let's take a break, yeah. Right back into it. What's up, guys? Anyway, um, we never really did a formal introduction, but Hayden Redman, thanks for coming on, dude. 
Uh, everybody, thanks for like, liking, describing, following, all that shit. You know, I appreciate it. It takes a second for y'all to do it. It means the world does. Um, we kind of took a quick little break, getting right back into it, man. Um, I'm curious if you have like a, a pre-show ritual you do like before shows and stuff. Since you're kind of getting on stage and shit now, is it, do you ever get like the nervousness and anxiousness before it? Yeah. Um, I feel like that pre-show ritual kind of takes a day or two. Right, getting the right head headspace. Especially, you know, if it's if it's a whip show that we're throwing together, and Del Mar era is playing in that show, it's an added bit of stress, but it's also a little bit more fun. Yeah. Um, I would say you know day of. There was a time when I used to think that, uh, you know, having a couple beers or whatever would make me less nervous or more creative or whatever. And uh, I've, I've moved away from that. I found that, you know, if I have a clear head and I'm, like, really in tune with the rest of the band, yeah. it's, just, it's more fun. I'm like the same way, dude. Like, I used to get, like, just drink before shows and shit, and then you end up playing sloppy or doing something stupid. And I found that if I'm just in a clear head, that I, I generally have more fun anyway. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess really that pre-show ritual is just rehearsing a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like my favorite place to, you know, rehearse by myself is definitely in the car. Um, so, you know, I got a roommate. I don't want to be like yelling. I don't, I don't really sing softly, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, sing a little bit like when I'm driving around that day, um, and then right before we we get on stage, I used to get, you know, the three other dudes. Um, our bass player and our drummer changed occasionally. Like you said, you know, I've, I've worked with Griffin on drums, uh, Shirley Shredder on the drums, he's an awesome guy. Um, Joe on the bass, who also plays the Late Night Call. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bobby Grizzle, <clears throat> oh, he's a good guy, he lives up in Boston now. Um, but it really, it goes back to John and I, you know, we wrote the songs and we're really, you know, kind of putting the band together, putting the shows together. Right. So, uh, right before we go on stage, <clears throat> usually kind of, you know, bow our heads, get together. And uh, I just say what's on my mind. You know, I say what the show means to us and, and what it hopefully will mean to the audience when we're done and when we get, you know, through the stage or off the stage. Uh, and really just having respect for other people's time in the process and understanding that we are capable of changing someone's mind. And if we do our job right, then we will do X, you know, I remember, uh, it's a really sad story, but my, my drummer's dog passed away and we devoted the last show to, to her. So okay. that was really, uh, that was powerful for all of us. That was kind of like a, a traumatic experience that we all went through together. So, um, yeah, that, that show was for Ginger for sure. Right on, right on. If you weren't in, in the music right, right now, what do you think you'd be doing? So... <clears throat> It just depends. I mean, like I said, you know, moving away from whip, stepping down, mm-hmm. I'm already expecting a, a major shift, and I'm welcoming that. You know, it's kind of part of the plan for the next chapter of, of what my life will be, um, God willing. Uh, having a, a band that, you know, I really care about, that's that's a huge part of it. You know, having friends and family and the people around me that I really care about, that's another huge part of it. Um but it's just like that, that purpose, right? You know, if the purpose has always been how do I have that positive impact on people, 
you know, it doesn't always have to be with music. Uh, I think in the perfect world, if I could quantify an impact that I've had on people, uh, you know, through charity or, or through, you know, the shows, that would be the best thing, right? Um, but, you know, it's not, a, it's not a scoreboard, man. It's just about going out there and doing the best you can. Sure. If you were on a road trip, tell me some, like, uh, like road trip playlists. What, what, what are you playing? The road trip playlist is crucial. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as someone who runs a podcast, I'm sure you, you've, you know, ventured through different podcasts. A lot of people have different takes on that. Oh, I'm a huge podcast it, fan. It depends on, <laughs> on who's in the car with you. Obviously, you got to kind of read the room, read the, mm-hmm. the crowd. Um, and assuming, you know, if you're going to drive across the country, you probably like this person at least. Yeah, right, a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> and so I think, you know, a little bit of give and take is always good. But if it's your turn, you know, Ben, don't break. You know, if I want to listen to 90s hip-hop, I'm going to do that shit. Yeah. And you're just going to have to wait another hour. Um but I also think, you know, I got some buddies who like these murder mystery podcasts and I'm just like, bro, turn this shit off. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what you think. <laughs> you know? It just depends. But oh, yeah. um, for me, I think if I'm if I'm driving through the country, you know, I'm gonna start with the basics. Uh, the way that I ch- like have, have changed like the collections of music, I used to make playlists all the time. So I feel like I would probably jump into like a playlist that I had recently cooked up. But more and more recently, I've started listening to like specific albums. Um, and I try and fit those albums to however I'm, I'm feeling like in the day. So, or like, you know, obviously discovering new music and, and listening to new stuff, which I also think is important on the road. Um, yeah, you can make an album like the the soundtrack to like a trip or something, you know? Dude, we're, me and John were driving to... Uh, Boulder to see the Grateful Dead a couple mm-hmm. months ago, and we're driving through Kansas, and all of a sudden, it's like nice, like directly on top of us, but in every direction, it's just like storm clouds just uh. going off, and it's weird because I've never seen, like, like almost a three hundred and sixty view where it's like we're heading towards some shit, yeah. and it's right behind us, and it's over there, and over there, you know, uh, but. In that moment, it just seemed like I got to put on Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon and kind of just wear through this one. And it got intense as fuck, dude. That intro to time. Yeah. And then the rain started pouring, like, super loud. It was big, fat rain, dude. It was pouring. And, uh, yeah, that was, like, a really intense way to just to kind of, like, match the energy of what was going on around us, um, which is a lot of what music's about, right? Like... You know, meeting your crowd in the middle and then pushing them whatever direction you want them to go. Yeah. But, um, you know, other other essentials, I think, going back to, like, I don't know, I, I like to explore the blues, like, in depth. So if you go from, like, Robert Johnson and speed it way up to, you know, say, Stevie, and then you go back to Jimmy, and then over to other uh, Jimmy page. Um, and then, you know, pushing it back forward to, say, Jack White, you just see, like, the same tendencies and the same structure, and everyone bends it one direction or another. Yeah. It's like, here's how I understand the blues. Um, 
you know, I, I took a couple of semesters of uh, jazz guitar, just like a free elective. And uh, some of my buddies would like give me shit. They'd see me walking around campus with my my guitar, like, oh, what are you gonna go fucking jam? I'm like, yeah, yeah, like, of <laughs> course. Now, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> no, not even. Uh, no, I got nothing but love for that shit. But um, yeah, just understanding like the the roots of, of blues plays into every other genre of music. Yeah. It's the fundamentals of everything. Oh, it's the best. Too. Yeah. And then you just like that story of Robert Johnson that I want to believe so bad. Yeah, sold a soul at the crossroads. <laughs> yeah, dude, that shit's badass. Yeah. Um, but as a guitar player, um, who who sticks out to you and or influences you? You're playing, dude. I uh, I find myself chasing like the sound of John Cusante quite a bit. Oh really? Awesome. Yeah. Hot Chili Peppers. You know, he's like the son of Hendrix, dude. Like, yeah, I was, I was gonna say it's cliche, but I, obviously Jimi Hendrix, you know. Yeah. Um, I played it again. There's a lot of similarities in them too, you know. They play the Fender, you know. They, um, but I also love, you know, Bob Dylan and like Neil Young and like mm -hmm. those guys who don't necessarily like shred, but dude, they lay it down. They, you know, that's a whole different side of guitar playing like there's the song player singer songwriter type and then there's like the shredder melodic type you know yeah um could we have a, a little jam session at some point I, I got this new this new song i'm working on and i played it at the open mic at stands that we do on wednesdays yeah um it kind of well received i was like all right i'm gonna keep cooking this one that's cool um Dude, that is the best thing about this open mic that we got, is you can literally go up there and just play whatever. And, uh, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, one way or another. We usually got about 15 to like 20 signups per night, per Wednesday. And uh, I don't know, man, there's just something about an energy in that room where, you know, it's kind of an off night of the week and it's understood that like you can try shit here and just like see how it goes and like does does anybody in the room play bass like we, we surely needs a bass player or something that's cool it's just fun man <clears throat> collaboration yeah how often y'all doing that every wednesday every wednesday yeah. and even even with the uh, the end of whip that'll still continue so that's a very important note i wanted to make sure that uh, even you know even with me changing roles and moving to you know, focus on something else, all of the things that we've put in place are still uh, accessible. So any kind of uh, you know, merchandise that you'd want to get from the whip store or any kind of uh, you know, open mic type stuff, that's cool. But um, it'll just be a little different. Yeah. Other people stepping up. Are you just going to continue to pursue the music or...? You have a, an uh, idea of what you're gonna step into next. To be honest, I've I've been putting thought into it for a few months, and for me, it's, it's again like not the how, but the why. It's like, well, why do I want to do this? <laughs> what do I want to do? And uh, with the, the the whip experience, it's like I feel like I I identified what the end goal is. Like, I want to be doing whip work multiplied by a thousand. Yeah. You know, being in a position where 
uh, I've got the experience and I've got the ambition, I've got the connections and I've got, you know, the the right frame of mind to like lead this idea into existence. And so um, I know that, you know, if I really want to donate millions, maybe billions of dollars, like I can't do it the way that I'm running WIP. And so that's why it has to stop for a little bit, if that makes sense. And, uh, you know, I think in that new period of time, uh, ideally I'd like to get, you know, an industry job in music or uh, some kind of, uh, you know, artist management, brand management type of role for someone like Sony Music or like Universal or something like that, or even like a, a smaller uh, smaller like local brands. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm kind of thinking out loud right now, which might not be the best thing whenever you're like recording something. But uh, it's all good. It's honest. Yeah. That's, yeah. Well, that's one thing I I said earlier. I was like, man, I'm an open book. You ask the right questions, and I'll tell you whatever you want to know. And that's that's what you've been, man. Honestly. For sure. Yeah. This place is cool, dude. I like what you guys are doing. I appreciate uh, it. You know, I, I find myself just, like, looking around and just being inspired, and, like, that's how all these words just keep on flowing. Right. I appreciate it, man. It's, it's been a good talk. Um, I, I got to wrap it up. Um, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Um, y'all be sure and follow. If there's anything you want to toss out there real quick, anything you want to promote, please feel free. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I just feel like you hit me up at the perfect time. I've been thinking of the right way to, to share this news with uh, everybody that we've worked with and everybody who's come out to the shows. And so seeing this opportunity, I knew that now is the time to, to share it. You know, my time with WIP is over. Yep. And there's something new coming. So keep your eyes peeled for it. Uh, still have the open mics at Stan's Blue Note every Wednesday. And... We're going to have a finale show early December. Awesome. So, Yeah, y'all be sure. Y'all go to Stan's, man. They put on a killer show. They have some great artists coming through there. Griffin, Late Night Call. I mean, there's the list goes on, man. It's just killer people. I mean, if you've been keeping up with this show at all, you know I have interesting people who are fucking with some other interesting people on here. So don't take it lightly. Check it out. Look into it. Um, make sure and follow. Follow the band. Yeah, I mean, yes, sir. All right, guys, it's been fun. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Uh, Y'all be you. We're going to be us. Take it easy, guys. You want to play us out? Yeah. Play us out, dude. I got nothing special here, but... I encourage everybody that comes on here as an artist to kind of play us out, so... Go for it, dude. fun man appreciate you guys having me uh come through here yeah yeah man i'm sorry my voice is all fucked up dude and you know honestly i didn't notice i feel like i'm a little off myself i do think you have a a good voice though you know i think uh it'd be cool if you guys have a gig coming up or something i definitely swing through for that yeah dude i mean like, like i just play guitar but absolutely dude up until about six months ago i never thought that i would ever want to sing at all really 
Yeah. This is my girl, Kenzie. Sorry. Hey, Kenzie. Sorry. How you doing? Yeah. Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah. Uh, we just wrapped up our podcast, and yeah. I'm going to play a song real quick. <laughs> And my job does too Cause I'm pulling data like I'm pushing a broom That's why my baby does shrooms One bedroom In Dallas, that's the shit I do what I do Man, my boss don't even know my name Cause she didn't know me in that game change Said I lost the space, lost that race Any day I might just lose my face shit. Cause you know I'd rather tote my fucking tech line Than be working this 925 shit No respect, no fat shit Any day I might just lose my neck I said Humanity is on trial Guilty verdicts aren't the option in this reality Cause moon folks play fiddles on the roof They lead in the go footsteps as they go walking in the darkness Prepare to shed light Why a martyr so brave Or determined Presuppose Me and my homie John got this bit where it's like, you know, like at the end of a song, yeah. there's always that one guy who wants to play like the last note. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> just keep on just flowing it from like. See how far you can take it. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. All right. I'll get out of your hair. Uh, thanks again. No, that was awesome, dude. Hey, thanks again, Kenzie, too. Yeah. Um, that was a ton of fun, honestly. So, yeah, dude. Um, I got to stack up all these books. I actually haven't really gone through these much. But, uh... And that water keeps on flowing It shows no signs of slowing I know just where I'm going there one place I feel something In my head You're in my head You're in my head
City one day I just might figure it out What's up, man? I'm good, dude. I was just telling Jake. I was like, I was so stressed out on Monday. Whatever yeah. Monday was this Monday or Tuesday? I don't even know. I think it was Monday. It was Monday. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was Monday. Yeah, yeah. I had my fucking collar shirt on and everything. It was like right out, right out of work. Um, so today's Saturday. Yeah. In five days. Uh, yeah, feeling good, man. Just, you know, I mentioned it on the show. Uh, yeah, we're about to let everybody know, like, whips coming to an end. And that's stressful for me because I'm like, yeah. it's my baby. You know, I love it so much. And uh, the main thing I just wanted to, to say on this platform is like how thankful I am that so many people spend so much time and effort and put so much energy into that project. For sure. And we threw 50 shows. Yeah. Donated 12 grand to charity. Yeah. Um, worked with over 300 artists. Like it was a hell of a ride. And uh, it won't be the end, but it's be a change so yeah man i love it um it's just been awesome to be on this platform too dude like you guys are great and, yeah uh, i appreciate that yeah well, dude, it, it was like a legit a therapy session just being able to talk about you know what no i enjoyed it myself man I, I mean i enjoy talking to people being able to just connect with them a little deeper than just the service level shit so Absolutely. and you're, you were an open book so i appreciate that yeah literally i brought some books yeah literally brought the books yeah, yeah. um so i know we talked about like hindsight 2020 were there any questions that like Came to your mind, like, damn, I should ask him that. As far as Whip, I wanted to know how do you go about choosing what artists to work with and what bands to That's work with. That's my favorite part, dude. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it just depends. You know, sometimes uh, I think about, you know, what's the purpose of the show? That's yeah. what it always comes down to. Why is the why? Um, and for, you know, some gigs, um, you know, it's it's like the venue. It just depends, like, what's what's the occasion, right? So... Let's say if it's like Halloween or something, and I know everybody's gonna be trying to get crazy or something. Yeah. Maybe you get like a DJ, or maybe you get like a really heavy like rock band. Whereas if you're playing at a coffee shop, maybe you get the solo acoustic guy. You know what I mean? For uh, sure. But time and setting. Time, yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, but again, you know, with each individual, it comes back to that effort and that attitude, right? So, uh, what I have noticed is that my favorite artists to work with always find a way to. Uh, captivate an audience regardless of what the setting is and I've seen like Artemis Funk Artemis Funk's an awesome band oh yeah um, yeah those guys are great and I just watched them turn like this neighborhood dive bar into like just a wave it was awesome it was great that's great when you can see a band just live in a place up. yeah please help yourself man get whatever you want to this liquid death yeah yeah canned water you know we're trying to get the, the sponsorship going what's up liquid death holler at us do it yep yeah, it's great, though, when you can see a band just liven up a whole place like that, you know, and just change the whole vibe and atmosphere in a place. 100%. Yeah. And that's that's the goal, dude, you know. Um, up until recently, I always saw myself as more of, like, the business side of throwing these shows. And just recently, um, kind of just decided to make the switch and be uh, more diligent in, like, the writing process, um, really study different artists that I really appreciate. Yeah. Just talk to people, you know, like what you're doing and just learning from uh, people like Lottie or Dan Tennyson, Jess down in, in Houston and just understanding like what does this process look like? Because it's not really a roadmap. No. You just have to keep chipping away at it. Yeah, yeah. So. It's, it's very a uh, self-taught process yeah. and a, a lonely process. <laughs> 100%. Um, so now we're on a bit of a time crunch today. 
but uh, I wanted to play one other song. Yeah, man, let me hear what you got, man. I'm, I'm, I want to hear it. This is the song about uh, my first job out of school when, you know, I, I told you I was kind of going through that, uh, that transition of, like, I want to do something music, business, yeah, whatever, yeah. but I was broke, so I was like, I got to get a job, you know? I got to figure something out, right? Um, so I got this job working as, like, an analyst, like, paper pushing, just, like, brutal shit. Let's hear it. Uh, no fun. No, I gotta breathe. No, I gotta break out, break out. No, I gotta breathe. No, I gotta break out, break out. No, I gotta breathe. No, I gotta break out, break out. No, I got to breathe. Gotta break out, break. I say my life sucks and my job does too. Fooling data like I push that broom. Say my baby does rooms in one bedroom. Dallas, Texas, do what I do. But my boss don't know my name. Till she shitting on me in an email chain. Say I'm lost in space, lost that race. Any day I might just lose my face. Any day I might just lose my face. Caruth Bootleg. Cause you know I'd really rather tote a fucking six line Than be working this nine to five shit No respect, no fat check Any day I might just lose my neck Any day I might just lose my neck Then I had this guy, uh, Priest the Poet from Group Nameless uh, Do a verse for me on this one And so we're still kind of like recording it But he, he did this verse and I'm gonna try to do some justice he said, humanity is on trial, guilty verdicts aren't the option in this reality, but moon folks play fiddles on the roof, they leave indigo footsteps walking in the darkness, prepare to shed light. He says that why a martyr so brave, Groot Bootlin, Groot Bootlin. You know what I appreciate in like artists is dynamics. As someone who can understand that, like taking it from a high to then breaking it down to a low, like that's I really appreciate that in artists, man. Nice. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of nervous, dude. I uh, I usually don't play by myself. Yeah. So, like, obviously, I play like in my room by myself, but I don't play on stage by myself. No, it was great. That was uh, awesome. But you know, you gotta get outside your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. When you do this opportunity, I mean, I'm like. I'm gonna practice a little bit though. Oh yeah, no, it sounded <laughs> give me, give awesome. A couple days, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so thank you guys again so much, honestly. Nick. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. You know me. Yeah. Thanks Jake. for coming through, dude. Absolutely. When when you're writing stuff like that, do you try to? I don't even know if you're aware of this. Do you try to stay in a 12-bar blues frame like that? Uh, I feel like it definitely comes naturally. Yeah. A lot of the music that I listened to growing up, a lot of the music that <clears> I like to play uh, or cover is kind of in that same framework. So, um, to the writing side. I think I just wrote most of those lyrics um, with no expectation. Yeah. And, uh, it was one of those things where I was going through a notebook, and I was like, it's kind of good. But I, I still wasn't 
sure that it was good enough to like hear other human ears and so i was like i'm just gonna like practice this on my own for a while yeah yeah. and shit that song's like three or four years old probably oh it's great man 2019 so 2022 yeah I dig the blues vibe behind it, man. It's awesome. Yeah, dude, yeah. this uh, this chord. Yeah, that chord right there specifically. The, the Jimmy E. Yep, that's uh, the Jimmy chord. <laughs> everybody knows that. Every guitar player knows that chord. Got to. Got to. Yeah. All right, well, uh, thanks again, guys. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate you guys for watching. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on to the next one. I'll kill it, no filler podcast. Yes, sir. You know Shout it. Out yeah. Jake. Shout out, Jake. Thanks, hey, guys. Yeah, yeah. Like and describe, man. Hayden Redman, Whip, all that shit. I appreciate it, guys. Y'all be you. We're going to be us. If you'd like to see raw, unedited live episodes, follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash what's up with that. To watch full episodes of what's up with that, subscribe to us on YouTube at youtube.com slash what's up with that.